0: Hello, my name's Alex, and welcome to Alex Listens, a podcast about philosophy, politics, race, mental health, and that kind of stuff. Today, I'm going to be talking about grief, which is an experience that should be familiar for all of us. Um, it is... it occupies a very unclear and confusing place in consciousness, uh, at times it's troubling and upsetting and distressing and we would normally think of grief as a process that we would want to avoid, um, as an experience that we want, would want to avoid. Um, but at the same time grief is also something which allows us to move forwards in our life and to make sense of loss And of being without someone or something. Um, And this is what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. Whether we can make sense of the experience of grief. Um, Yeah, before I do that, before I talk about grief, a few quick notes. If you're enjoying Alex Listens or any other things that I do, you can support the podcast in a number of ways. I have a Patreon um there should be a link in the bio of this episode if you'd like to support the podcast. Uh or I have PayPal. Um you can support the podcast through PayPal. Otherwise just follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at alexlistens, A L E K S. Um and on Facebook under the same handle. Um otherwise I have a website www.alex.co. That's where you can find me and everything else I do. And last but not least, here is a content warning. This episode discusses serious themes like suicide and death so, well, and grief. Yeah, so, brief. When when I was doing the introduction, I realized that every word that I would normally associate with grief is negative and sad, things like distress and pain and suffering and anguish and confusion and displacement and chaos. But there's this area of uh, philosophy called moral psychology, which is something that I'm very interested in. And I wrote an essay on grief um, and that essay will be on my website as soon as I publish this episode. And the, the essay is interesting, because it tries to identify... I guess it just... I'm not going to talk much about the essay in this episode, but I guess there's one key question. And the question that this person, Marusic, that's the name of the author, Marusic asks whether it's possible to identify reasons for grief, whether there is a reason or whether there are a combination of reasons that drive the experience of grief. And I guess that's a kind of compelling way of thinking about grief because on one hand, we sometimes do have very clear reasons for experiencing grief. Maybe someone who we love is no longer with us. Maybe um, maybe I should be more clear. Um, maybe someone we love has died. Um, and that's why we're grieving. Uh, maybe a relationship that was very important to us has ended. Um, that person hasn't died, but the relationship is no longer as it once was. Um, and we can grieve the loss of a relationship with someone who is alive, or we can grieve the loss of a relationship with someone who has died. Um, But I'm sure that these two experiences of grief are different. um, And I want to draw a distinction between the two of them. Uh, I, I think one important difference that comes to mind is that there's something about possibility, the possibility of experience which truly disappears when someone dies. Um, in my mind, um, as someone who is mostly an atheist, I believe that when someone dies, uh, there is a, an extremely significant reduction in the possibility of experiencing things with that person. Um, they are no longer, Alive, They no longer occupy the same position in your life that they did when they were alive, um, and so on. Whereas when a relationship with two living people, or multiple living people, falls apart, um, the possibility of, of that person occupying a place in your life doesn't disappear in the same way as it does when someone dies. Um, because it's still possible for that person to re-enter your life, even though it might never happen. Um, it's still possible. They are still alive. Presumably, um, so long as you're on speaking terms, you can speak and you can experience that person in the, uh, in, as, as they are alive, um, And I guess this asks. There's a kind of interesting metaphysical question here because what is I guess memory here is very important when it comes when we discuss grief because one could one could say that the end of any relationship is something that is grieved. So I guess. Yeah, I'm just thinking about whether it's possible for a, a very clear distinction to be drawn between grieving a relationship that's ended with someone who's alive compared to a relationship that has ended with someone who's, who has died. And I guess maybe one, one key distinction is that the person who has died can only live on in memory. Um, at least that's what makes the most sense to me at the moment. They can also live on in other forms, like when my maternal grandma died, um, my baba, um, she passed away in 2016, Um, I'm often torn back to the past when I eat something that reminds me of her or when I see um, the silhouette of someone in the distance who has a similar gait um, or... Other things. Uh, and I do, there is a real experience there and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm remembering something. It, it feels like she is very much there and alive in the moment, but I guess, um, yeah, maybe the line between, maybe the line between, um, grieving alive and dead relationships, uh, Isn't as clear as I thought it was Anyway um, That's one interesting thing to think about When we talk about grief um, That there are these There are two different things that we can grieve Um, And what Okay another question that we need to ask is About the object of grief What Is And is that even a fair question Can we actually ask whether it's possible Can we actually ask whether we Grieve something Can we quantify the grief? Can we put it into a particular category? So, for example, one thing that I think I grieve, and I have grieved when someone has died who I cared about, um, is that there is a real loss of possibility. And I think I mentioned this earlier. So, when someone dies, they... As I, I think I, I'm repeating myself They do not exist in a way They cannot exist in a way in your life As they did when they were alive um, And so I guess there the objective grief Is the possibility To continue creating memories Or creating experiences with that person wh- When they are Also contributing to the relationship Because Presumably When someone is dead, they are no longer actively consciously contributing to a relationship that you have with them. Um, and so I think that is something, and I guess that, that isn't super fixed. Like, you know, um, if someone writes you a poem or something and they die, they wrote that poem while they were conscious and that poem can have ongoing effects on your life. And, you know, maybe some of those effects were premeditated by the person who wrote the poem. So I guess it's not that clear, um, that, you know, when someone dies, they are no longer, they no, no longer leave a conscious footprint on your life. But yeah, I, I'm sure you see what I mean. Um, so yeah, the object of grief for me, a lot of the time, uh, emerges from the end of the possibility of existing in a relationship with someone as you once did, um, but I had a very interesting experience a few years ago, and I I, I was um, really into 90s grunge music, specifically 90s grunge music from Seattle. And if you're wondering which bands they are, I guess the most famous ones are Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Uh, although I'm pretty sure Nirvana aren't from Seattle. Um, I didn't like Nirvana or Pearl Jam, but I was really into this band called Soundgarden. And their lead singer was this person called Chris Cornell. And in 2016, Chris Cornell died. And for a long time, he had been this musical kind of sonic idol. And I spent hours listening to his music and to his voice. And I, his death was really the first time I had experienced grief, grief over someone protracted kind of long-term grief over someone who really had no conscious, they, they didn't know that I existed and we'd never spoken or anything like that. um, but, you know, the way I interacted with them through him uh, listening to his music and recreating his music by playing it on my guitar and that kind of stuff, I guess, did kind of bring the relationship to life for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think what I grieved in that situation was the loss of uh, kind of, you know, the being able to experience more music that he was going to make in the future or, um, yeah, you know, being able to envisage him as having a life with, you know, doing things that he enjoyed and whatever. And that was all really upsetting, especially, um, the way he died, which was by suicide was, uh, very upsetting for me as someone who is depressed and has had, uh, a kind of, you know, long struggle with depression. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, coming back to grief. So yeah. Um, one thing that we can do is talk about grief in terms of, it being something that is rational and something that is temporal. And what do I mean when I say that grief can be thought of something that is rational? Well what I mean is that we can point to reasons for grieving. I, I've mentioned a number so far, a relationship has ended. We will no longer be able to have someone's presence in our life anymore. As they we will no longer be able to have their presence as they were while they were alive anymore. Um they died too soon. A relationship ended prematurely. All of these kind of things can uh, motivate the experience of grief. But then there is the temporality of grief, which I guess, you know, temporality means it's related to time. So what does, what does the experience of grief have to do with time? And this is where we get to a very interesting question that I am still thinking about and that is if our reasons for grief don't change that is if we always if we never wanted a relationship to end if we never wanted someone to die why does our experience of grief seem to dissipate over time how can it be that my grandmother who i whose death was premature and who I didn't want to say goodbye to. How can it be that now after years have gone by, um, I feel like I am significant in a significantly, I feel so much more capable, um, when it comes to thinking about my relationship with her and reflecting on the memories we had together. And I feel, a lot more comfortable and secure in doing that. And, and it I, I don't, I'm not grieving anymore. And I haven't grieved for a long time. How can that be? Because the motivations for grief in the first place haven't changed. So I suppose there are a number of things that we can think about here um, and a number of questions that we can ask. One is whether it's actually helpful thinking about grief as an experience that is driven by reasons and an experience that is impacted by time. And I guess one way of kind of trying to make sense of both of these different approaches to grief is by thinking about what kind of beings we are and what it what the experience of grief can symbolize and signify. And I guess for different cultures the experience of grief and for different people the experience of grief is very different. So for example, when my grandfather died, my dad or my mom's mom, uh, my mom's dad, um, my grandma, my baba, grieved until her death intensely for um, over a 16, 17 year period. She grieved intensely every day. Um, and, you know, maybe as an older person and as someone whose life was uh, kind of very seriously entwined and enmeshed and ensnared in this other person's life. Maybe losing a relationship like that, um, means that, you know, the grief continues and it doesn't subside. It may also be a cultural thing or a generational thing. Um, you know, uh, I guess it was less common for relation, marriages to end back then, um, when my grandparents got married. And so, you know, maybe the way they understood their relationship was that it was, you know, this eternal thing. And I feel like now, you know, in the West, in kind of, you know, um, lefty progressive communities attitudes towards eternal love, um, have changed dramatically. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's one thing to think about. Um, but also we are, we are, we are social beings, right? Um, and we exist among others and we derive meaning from things that we do and from conversations that we have and from experiences that we have and from relationships that we have. And so this is why here light is shed on the, on grief and how it can be something that's pathological because, and this is getting into very murky waters. So the DSM, the DSM five, which is the most recent version of the, um, diagnostic and statistics manual, which is used by psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff to diagnose, um, psychological and psychiatric illness. Um, They put a time limit on the experience of grief, which is very weird, and they say that I think, you know, it's a number of weeks or months or something, and that it's reasonable for someone to experience grief, and then after that, you know, you should return to your normal life. But, you know, we just need to think about my grandparents, my Baba and Dedo, and how my Baba grieved for (laughs) well over a decade, 15, 16 years, intensely. Um, But, you know, who am I to say that that's not okay? Who am I to say that she shouldn't be grieving anymore? Um, and that's a very weird, that's a very weird thing to say. And the, you know, it's a problem. It's a limitation with the, with psychiatry and psychology trying to put limits on what is a normal experience of grief, how long should someone grieve for, uh, and that kind of stuff. So I was saying before that we are social beings who have relationships and whatever, and grief when a relationship ends um you know a romantic relationship or when someone dies who we really care about it can really impact our experience of everything you know um when someone goes through a breakup they're very sad they're very upset they feel um heavier they feel the burden of their existence more they feel more sensitive to suffering in the world, they feel more sensitive to their own experiences of suffering and these kinds of things. And these are things that I've felt when I've gone through breakups and they're very real. And so is grief, well then should we say that grief is a, a work or a a journey or like a job or something? Is it something that transports us that allows us to cope with loss in the world? And to kind of embody the loss and to experience it and to feel it. And then to subsequently continue with our lives, because that kind of sounds like that sounds like a reasonable way to think about grief. Um, but it also, it's also, I really don't like thinking about things in terms of productivity and, you know, continuing to contribute to society and whatever that, that, That doesn't sound very nice. I wouldn't want to think about grief as something that is just this really transactional thing that allows us to move from being in a position where someone is in our life to being in a position where they're not and being okay with it so that we can continue contributing or whatever. But instead I like to think, I think it makes more sense to me to think about it in a kind of existential ontological manner. And what I mean by that is what it means for us to be, our identity, our, the extent of our character, um, the way we extend our character in certain directions, our focuses, our priorities, what we care about, all of these things are shaped and informed by the people around us. And when a relationship ends and we grieve, we undergo a character shift of some sort. We change such that we are able to accommodate this new loss not for any particular reason, not so that we can return to work, not so that, you know, we can, I don't know, do whatever it is that we want to do, but just because our, what it means for us to be has forcibly been changed and we have to negotiate that change and we have to make it work for us. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's all I want to say about grief. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, You can support the podcast in a number of ways. Patreon, link in the bio, PayPal, go on my website, www.alex.co, or follow me on Instagram at alexlistens. And thanks for listening. Bye.